Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Do you know what satisfied me today? Well, you don't because you're not me, but I'm going to tell you. And it was having a plumber come safely with a mask on into my house and fix my shower, which now has a glorious amount of pressure and can fully drown out any of the weeping that I am doing when I am in there in uh, advance of me (laughs) having to homeschool my first grader. Andy, what about you? Uh, I am I am satisfied to be getting actual lineup questions like a like a normal like as if it were a normal year but 2020 Um, I'm like all of a sudden they came in a big wave today I'm getting all sorts of sit start questions Uh, really felt like the normal rhythm of a football season is pretty awesome all the old customers are back. Well, that does that does feel nice. What usually satisfies me, though, I'm surprised that that's your answer is because what usually satisfies me is you just replying with, hey, I pinned my (laughs) rankings to the page, big guy. So you can just check that there. I do a little bit of that, but I only do it when they ask like a same position question, right? Like if you're, I don't know, if you're asking me Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders versus Golden Tate, like I rank all the receivers together, whatever you want. You want to ask me a flex question? I'm I'm here to have a conversation. Yeah, that's one of my, my favorite things. Um, but there are a lot of things heading into this season, a lot of unknown things, but we're going to talk about one big thing each Per matchup, we're going to go through the entire Sunday and Monday night slate. Remember, there's two games on Monday night, and we're going to start with the early games on Sunday, Cleveland at Baltimore. Andy, we could find more than just one big thing here, but what is most intriguing, exciting, whatever to you in this matchup? Yeah, I feel like the the Browns and Ravens have like, I don't know, six, seven, eight big things that we could uh, that we could try to isolate. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to focus on a mega thing, which is what any of this looks like on the on the in terms of the Cleveland offense. Like, I don't think this week is going to go well for Cleveland. Maybe uh, who knows? We could be wrong. Um, Things like that happen all the time in week one. I don't I don't think it's going to be pretty for Cleveland because Baltimore Baltimore's good. They're good on both sides of the ball. The defense is great. The defensive front is great. They've enhanced it. Um, Like, I I don't know. It's not like. Everything that we see from Cleveland this week is just going to be, you know, that that's what it's going to be like going forward. But I want to see 
what's different about this offense under Stefanski, under Van Pelt. Um, we think we're going to see a lot more two tight end stuff. Uh, there's been a little bit of late buzz about Harrison Bryant, rookie tight end, mm-hmm. who's been running ahead of, of David and Joku. Kind of interested to see that. We, we got to see what the what the Chubb Hunt mix looks like. I just what are they going to do to like is is Baker Mayfield going to be under duress constantly again? And is he going to react poorly to it? Like, I just want to see what Cleveland's offense looks like under yet another new coaching staff. I do think it's important to remember that Cleveland did beat Baltimore in their yeah, first yeah, matchup yeah. last year, right? And that was because Nick Chubb got going. And you mentioned Stefanski and you mentioned the shared backfield and Kareem Hunt signing an extension. To me, I am very, from a fantasy perspective, interested to see how this backfield shakes out and if they can, in fact, um, noting that the running back is such a position of rhythm in terms of need, right, in terms of getting going. And I think Chubb is one of those runners who does, all of these rushers tend to benefit from rhythm, but Chubb a little bit more than most because he is such a pure rusher. And when you look at Baltimore, though, and they've added Calais Campbell, it's like the Ravens have gotten better if that was even possible. Like, how can they not be better? So it'll be interesting to see if the rushing attack, which has to be prioritized since that's what worked last year against Baltimore, will be as effective under Stefanski, what the division of touches is going to be. And again, against a bolstered, theoretically bolstered run defense and D-line. Oh, my goodness. I mean, could you what do you even imagine? Would you take the over or under on this game, um, the point total right now is set at uh, 47 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Baltimore can get you to 30 in this game, can get you past 30 in this game. So I'm, I might like the I might like the over here. Uh, it's I, I, I love what you said about uh, uh, Chubb last year against Baltimore because he did have just an absolute supernova game against uh, against the Ravens, like 160 yards and three touchdowns, something like that. And then when Hunt was in the mix, he was totally quiet. It was like a yeah. typical 40-yard, you know, half the workload sort of game. So uh, desperately hope that we don't see that. Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville is hosting this matchup. Definitely not better on defense like the Ravens. <laughs> In fact, devoid of a defense, which should make Phillip Rivers, who is the obviously new quarterback in Indianapolis, feel quite good. I'm going to go first on this one and say it's similar to what I said about Cleveland in that I'm interested to see the division of touches between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Now, I think the fantasy community and certainly football Twitter has already anointed Jonathan Taylor as the RB1 by, you know, a 60% margin. He is a rookie. It is week one. This has been an offseason like no other. If, however, he does touch the ball 60% of the time, then you have to imagine that it is that, if not more, moving forward. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the story. We could we could say a handful of other things on the on the Jacksonville side. Obviously, they have a, a crazy backfield shakeup over the last couple of weeks. But the fantasy story here, no question about it, is the division of workload between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. And and it's one of those complicated things. Um, I was comparing it today to the to the Chester Taylor, uh, Adrian Peterson season, like Adrian Peterson's mm-hmm. rookie year, uh, which is maybe an unfair comp for Jonathan Taylor. But they whatever they share some similar traits, right? They're both like they both had especially young AP just had track speed, like really fast, obviously really strong, similar players in a certain respect. Um, And the other guy, like Marlon Mack's pretty good. He's not 
transcendent good. He's not like Pro Bowl good necessarily, but he was 1,100 yards good last year. And and Chester Taylor had been coming off like a 1,200 yard season, did nothing wrong, had done had done nothing that you know that signaled that he deserved to have his job taken away. But there's this massive talent waiting for you in the draft, and you just you just grab it. It wasn't even a position of need for Minnesota. They did it, and th- this situation feels just a lot like that. Plus. We have a great O-line in front of them, um, which is, you know, somebody somebody here is going to roll up incredible yardage totals each week. There is a decent chance that in the first couple weeks of the season, we see Marlon Mack getting like a 60 or 65 percent snap share. And then I like I don't know that Jonathan Taylor can do anything on passing downs at all. I'm not I'm not really convinced of that. Well, Naheem Hines is in the mix, but I also don't think we're going to need to see a lot from Naheem Hines, given the matchup against Jacksonville's defense. Yeah, right? Like fully agree. This is yep. going to be a, a, a lot of running in this game. I will, and from I will the also note time, that. Oh, sure. One one thing about the Jacksonville backfield, um, I, like I'm pretty excited about James Robinson this week. Um, Chris Thompson yeah. is facing a defense that allowed the most receptions to running backs last year. So that's kind of fun too. Chris Thompson, the new Atlanta Falcons. Thing. There you go. Yeah. There you have it. Um, I love that Chris Thompson and I love the James Robinson note just because he's uh, I know he was in your bold predictions article. He's a, a spoiler alert. One of my fantasy damage players. Um, another backfield that is shaken up. But right now, James Robinson undrafted out of Illinois State pure power back like that is this guy's game there's no there's not a no he doesn't have deep speed not a whole lot of nuance lots of vision lots of power lots of patience um you would imagine that he would continue unless he fumbles or does something egregious in week one here to be the rb1 and then mixing in with chris thompson on the passing down so just keep an eye on that as well green bay at minnesota um again another you know you think about minnesota and you think about the rushing attack i think the uh, third most, they called the third most rushing plays uh, Stefanski did last year, a Kubiak acolyte, but obviously acolyte's still in Minnesota. Um, and so we're going to see a lot of that field. And then Green Bay's defense, lots of question marks, the run defense, you know, kind of paper tigers is where I would define <laughs> them or, or, or talk about them. They're, they should have been better than they were against the run. I think the thing that I am most interested here is really on on both sides, on the Green Bay side and Minnesota. We we got to learn who the number two receiver is for for both of these teams. You know, they've they've clear number ones in in Thielen and Adams, and I, I'm I'm not exactly sure what the target distribution is going to look like beyond that. Um, for Green Bay, it could be could just be a boring answer. It could be it could be Aaron Jones again. Aaron Jones blew up against Minnesota last year. Was was had two of his finest games against uh, against the Vikings last season. Um, but like, we don't know, there's really sort of a narrow usage situation in the, in the receiving cores for both these teams. There's not even, I, I, I like, there's not a receiver on green Bay's roster outside of Adams that, uh, you know, I, I think, I think should be, like, I, I don't want to say anything bad about Lazard cause I liked Lazard well enough coming out of college, but that's, I mean, that's, that's not an NFL team's number two receiver. <laughs> like that's not a good NFL team's number two receiver. Um, I can't believe I can't I still can't believe that they didn't enhance it uh, through the draft. I'm it's amazing to me. So I, I think we really need to to learn the hierarchy in the receiving course for both these teams. And then on the Minnesota side, if we are to believe roster reports, BC Johnson is yeah. the number two ahead of the rookie Justin Jefferson, who did le- lose precious time on the COVID list. So, you know, also being a rookie and in a weird offseason, that's contributing. I, I am interested to see if Irv Smith pops. A little bit that could yeah. be an interesting 
um, development, especially given the play calling in Minnesota? Oh, yeah. No, I like it. Um, if uh, if last year is any indication, we'll see B.C. Johnson play a ton of snaps and not draw very many targets at all and <laughs> just just block other people from having opportunities, I imagine. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, we'll talk about Miami at New England. This is obviously a hotly contested and a matchup that everybody wants to see. Not so much because of the Miami side. Obviously, Tua isn't starting. It is Ryan Fitzpatrick. But because Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback, that's a huge alert. I don't know if you knew that, by the way, in (laughs) New England. He beat out this kid, Jared Stidham, much to Dalton Del Don's dismay. So uh, Cam Newton will be the starter for the Patriots. I mean, that's what I want to see. Like, there could be a bigger point here. I could talk about, like, whether or not Nikhil Harry can get enough separation to matter um, or at least be forgiven by football Twitter Twitter, and, uh, you know, see if he can bring down a couple of those 50-50s since that's why he was drafted in the first round. But I want to see Cam. I want to see how McDaniels and Belichick use him. I want to see him run all over the place. I don't really I'm not even paying attention to much else. Yeah, I fully agree. It's it's so easily the dominant storyline. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get I don't want to get lost in the New England backfield here. Um, there's not a whole there's, not, there's actually not a whole lot of unanswered questions on the Miami side necessarily. I mean, we can wonder a little bit about how Brita and Howard are going to are going to split touches. But I like I think it's reasonably well known. Cam is the story. Cam's health is the story. Um, we think he's recovered from the foot and shoulder stuff um, there, like there's been a lot of like a, a curious amount of love exchanged between him and Belichick, like through the media, right? Like Belichick is, it, it's not like he ever says truly glowing things, but this is more praise. I feel like than we ever generally get from Bill Belichick in an off. So like, it's just been nice. And Cam seems happy and Belichick seems happy and Cam couldn't be more pleased with his coaches. And man, if he can, if he can move at all, like vintage Cam, he's the goal line back, right? Like he's maybe the best right. goal line runner of his era, um, he's the goal line back. So all the fretting about New England's backfield is is really going to be like, who cares? Because it's Cam's backfield, right? When they get near the goal line, it's going to be Cam's going to get eight, 10 touchdowns. That that is certainly what I'm hoping for. Um, if if well, we get that. It, he's a top 10 quarterback. And it allows James White to have a really safe, nice floor, like a nice mm-hmm. flex, flex option in PPR friendly formats, because when you think about Christian McCaffrey and Cam, um, Cam did target him, I believe, seven times per game over the past two seasons. So you have to imagine there's going to be some check down opportunities, which keeps Cam account uh, efficient and accurate. And that now has been drilled into his brain. And I think Belichick's just so happy because for the first time in 15 plus years, he has a mobile quarterback, which is one of the only offensive advantages that he's been without for so long. Yeah. So everyone's happy in New England for now. They are traditionally slow starters though so we'll see how that moves forward this is such a this is such a great way to break in cam by the way i mean this was a this miami defense was so friendly to opposing passers last year so this is about as easy as it if you can't play carolina play miami and you're at foxborough so you don't have to worry about travel not that you have to worry about stand uh, fans in the stands but at least there's no travel so i think if anything this you're totally right this is a great way to introduce cam to uh his new existence. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about another mobile quarterback, Russell Wilson. He and the Seahawks are traveling to Atlanta. This, uh, everybody, you know, I did a couple of hits um, on some local Atlanta stations this morning, and everybody wants to talk about Todd Gurley. I think it'll be interesting to keep an eye on Brian Hill, who's the presumed backup behind Gurley, if those knees, which have been rumored to be arthritic, 
do flare up. I really want to, from a purely selfish standpoint, and I don't have Todd Gurley rostered on many of my leagues, but I would love to see him smash here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And his uh, his usage as a receiver to me is a pretty significant story. I I don't have very much exposure to Todd Gurley at all, really. Um, and and I, I feel bad about that. Obviously, Todd Gurley's best seasons were some of the best seasons that we've seen in 10 years, right? Like, they're great. Um, he, he's clearly some compromised version of, like, vintage Todd Gurley right now. I, I, I think that's fairly clear. If they throw to him, though, it would make a huge difference. I mean, that guy wasn't really getting receiving volume last year's 31 catches. Um, obviously, in his best seasons, it's 50-plus, it's 60-plus. It would be great if he could get back to that range. Um, if he's getting four or five targets a game, that would make a huge difference in terms of, of projected fantasy value. I have him, for what it's worth, fearlessly forecasted for four catches. Plus, uh, uh, yeah, I have him re- four, four catches for 32 receiving yards, which I think is pretty conservative. But I also want to see how, like, Hayden Hurst is used and how much Chris God, uh, I'm sorry, Calvin Ridley eats. And so there's there's a lot of op- options for Matt Ryan here. Yeah, four catches doesn't sound like a lot when you say it, but that's a 60-catch season, right? Like, that's great. Like, that that would be awesome. If uh, if Todd Gurley is targeted six or seven times and catches four of them, that's, that's incredible. That's phenomenal usage for fantasy purposes. Anything on the Seattle side of the ball? I mean, the biggest question is what the run-pass mix is going to look like, whether Russ is actually going to cook, right? Um, there's a little bit of a question as to as to how much uh, share, if any, Carlos Hyde really has, how good Chris Carson looks, all that. But, you know, is it just going to be – it's probably just going to be the same old Seattle, no matter what Russell Wilson and literally every Seahawks fan wants to see. <laughs> they want to see a lot of first-down throws. They want to see a lot of throwing. Like, in, how about we throw in the first quarter of games? How about we do that? But um, <laughs> that has not necessarily been what's got them a great deal of success over the years, so we probably won't, but it would be exciting. 48-and-a-half is what the over-under is set at. So – decent amount of passing for a Seattle matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I, I fall on that. This is just going to be such a, we, we're talking about this a little bit off pod about all the variables that go into this particular off season. Um, the weird practice schedule, the lack of preseason games. Is it what's going to win out the fact that nobody's going to be able to tackle or the fact that offenses mm-hmm. are going to be entirely disjointed. I, I, I just don't know. I wish I had a good answer. Seattle does have continuity. They do. Working yep. in their favor there. So that that'll be interesting. Vegas at Carolina, two very differently rebuilt teams. Teams going through transitions. I have to admit like everybody is always down on the Raiders because they've earned that reputation, but I am very hopeful for the Raiders. I like the new look. I like what Vegas is doing in the sports in the sports yeah. world. Like they've got the Golden Knights, now they've got the Raiders. I'm feeling optimistic about the Raiders and also the fact that they have these vets like Jason Witten that aren't going to necessarily factor in from a fantasy perspective, but might help create that culture that Mike Mayock wants to talk about that, especially in times like this, when you're in Vegas and you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're not in a strict bubble. And so accountability is all the more important. I think having those guys on the team is really, really important to continuity and consistency throughout the season beyond week one. I'm in love with Brian Edwards. I'm in love with Josh Jacobs. The only thing I'm frankly not in love with is Derek Carr. But I think, the, <laughs> you know, I think the pass catchers that he has at his disposal could drag him into production. 
Yeah, Derek Carr has. First of all, this is this is such a fun bad game. Like this is one of those yeah. games that you just as a as a fantasy manager, you just you just love things like this. There's probably going to be a lot of sloppy points here, right? Carolina's defense was poor last season, and it, it looks much worse this season. Um, so it's a great spot for all your Raiders, pretty much. And I'm I'm te- like I have uh, Brian Edwards in a handful of leagues. I'm pretty tempted to to slot him into a flex spot. Um, sight unseen, right? We've had no preseason. We all, all we have are glowing reports, not just importantly, not just from beat writers, but from Derek Carr himself. Who knows? Maybe, maybe this is just typical quarterback sunshine, but he has dropped some crazy good comps on Brian Edwards. I'm excited about him. Um, it like if the Raiders can't all blow up here, when are they ever going to do it? Because again, Carolina's defense just looks That's miserable. It. Um, Jacobs is an obvious great start here. The, the one thing I'll say about Carr is that he is without necessarily showing that he can be any sort of fantasy factor himself. He can at least support a couple of startable uh, uh, fantasy receivers, right? Like, which is really all we need from Derek Carr in this one. Just, just feed the ball well to, to mm-hmm. Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. And then you'll have it. I, I just want to add Josh Jacobs, only $26 in our daily game. He's on my roster. I'm yeah. <laughs> the guru challenge is happening again via FFL this year. And it's no surprise. He's probably gonna be on all of our rosters, but I had to throw that one out from the care from Carolina's um, point of view. This is a team that is rebuilding, and we will watch it rebuild. Yeah, everything is new. Like we've talked <laughs> yeah. about this a lot. Like both coordinators are new, head coach is new, quarterback is new. Like it's just a shocking amount of newness in the worst possible offseason to do it. But at least we know who the principals are, right? Like there's no there's no question that they're going to feed McCaffrey. There's no question that they're going to feed DJ Moore. There's a, a little bit of an open question about whether Curtis Samuel can rebound and and recover some of the shine he had a couple of years ago, but. That's about it. I mean, we, we know where the ball is going to go. We just don't know exactly what the offense is going to look like. Absolutely. Philadelphia at Washington. There are a couple of things. I'm going to take the Philadelphia side, and why don't you take the Washington side, since there are a few narratives here. From the Philadelphia point of view, uh, you know, it sounds like Jalen Rager, who was this hot rookie, did a lot of gadgety work at T- TCU. Um, nice reports out of ca- a training camp until he got hurt, but it does look like he is going to start week one. I would like everyone to remember that he is a rookie and this was a wild <laughs> offseason with no preseason. So just because he's going to start in week one does not mean that he is the overlord of the rest of the receivers. This this is not <laughs> how it's going to work immediately. Evolution, which is a real thing, folks, takes time. So <laughs> I, I think that Deshaun Jackson is a great play this week. He, in fact, started week one of last season against Washington, his former team. But this isn't even about revenge. This is just about when Deshaun Jackson is healthy and he's still got it. You use him and you're going to want to use him because, like I said, last uh, in 2019, week one, 154 yards, a couple of scores. He was fire. I think he's going to be he is the healthiest and most experienced receiver on Philadelphia's roster and this is a person that you are flexing because I'm sure you didn't draft him as anything other than a wide receiver three. Yeah, I love that. Love the call on DJX. On the Washington side, um, we have a couple of big open questions, one of which is obviously what the what the snaps and touches look like in the Washington backfield. They kind of cleared the deck for Antonio Gibson when uh, when they launched Adrian Peterson. So that's exciting. 
Antonio Gibson has almost no collegiate experience as a traditional running back, which is which seems like a big obstacle to overcome. Right. Um, But apparently not. He's really impressed them. They they immediately dropped a Christian McCaffrey comp on him. So so who knows? Like, obviously, um, his work at Memphis was spectacular last Mm -hmm. year. Right. Like a really, really fun player. We see that a fair amount out of Memphis. We we do get a bunch of really buzzy players that come out of Memphis because they put up gaudy stats. So. We'll see. It's uh, but especially with Peterson out of the mix, you have to be excited about it. And then I think the other big open question on the Washington side is uh, after Terry McLaurin, where do the targets go? Like, who's the who's the number two here? It's probably Steven Sims. Looks like he's going to start. He, he's kind of fun. Um, what are we going to see from Logan Thomas, the tight end who's been pretty buzzy? And is Antonio Gibson going to be the number two receiver effectively? Like, do we see plenty of situations in which it's like McKissick in the backfield and Gibson in the slot. That seems possible to right. me. Um, that would, that would make Gibson a super valuable fantasy uh, asset throughout the season. Well, for what it's worth, McKissick is the, you know, listed as the RB one on the depth chart, whether that holds any real water or not. I almost think that Peyton Barber might be, because again, I like to sometimes look at these situations as which of these things is not like the other, Assuming yeah. that the all the others will cannibalize each other. And so Peyton Barber is your only, you know, true rusher, north-south rusher. You can imagine him on early downs. Um, you can imagine him maybe getting the goal line looks. I don't really want to part. I don't think this offense is um, prolific or will be prolific enough to support a regular running back unless Gibson has that gadgety value that you're talking about in the passing game. So... But, you know, I don't know if you're in a crazy 16 or a 20 team league like you and you need to <laughs> roll out a, a RB3 or a flex. It wouldn't surprise me. Matt Harmon hates this phrase, but to see Peyton Barber fall into the end zone. Yeah, no, could happen. I, it doesn't obviously, uh, you know, if you're just the goal line back for the Washington football team, that doesn't really seem like it's going to be a fantasy Ooh, goal I got line chills. this year. My goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about it? Vapors, How about it? That's, Andy, you're giving me the vapors. That's you know probably who else not is giving me enough. the vapors? I'll tell you, uh, Matt Nagy's giving me the vapors with his <laughs> Foles, Trubisky, Foles, Trubisky. Why you lie to us? This whole Ugh. mirage, this whole stinking smoke screen. Listen, Pace, I know it's your butt on the line. And that's why Trubisky is starting. We knew this ruse. I'm so freaking angry about the ruse that Foles was going to. No, it's always been Trubisky. Because if Trubisky doesn't work out, y- none of y'all are working out either. I'm obviously yeah. talking about the Chicago at Detroit matchup. I don't care. Like I don't, I don't, I am. I'm disavowing myself from all of this. David Montgomery is apparently fine. He hasn't, his groin is fine. That's hilarious, by the way. Oh, he's fine now. His <laughs> groin hurts. Totally fine to just be, you know, to just run up the middle and for two yards on a every <laughs> single play. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, you can take over. You're probably so level headed about this. You are around. as excited as I am to see the Bears just run it back. Because that's because that's apparently what we're doing. We brought in Nick Foles, gave him a fair amount of guaranteed money, and Ugh. we're just gonna we're just gonna run it back. But I like I get it. You're right. Um, the the reputation and the future employability of the GM is entirely tied to a quarterback who is not you know it it he's not on a great trajectory. He's certainly not on the trajectory of the other quarterbacks taken in the same draft. And we're just gonna have to watch it for two or three weeks um, <laughs> until until talk about a take lock like what an incredible Ugh. take lock I mean I get it but also then why why did we do this why did we go through the theatrics of signing Nick Foles and giving him extra money just so that we could obviously 
roll out Mitch Trubisky in week one on a short leash and then yeah. eventually it just kind of it kind of dims the excitement up for like I could have I could have gotten myself plenty excited for Anthony Miller. We think he's going to be a thing. There's been a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of buzz from the coaching staff, from you know the player himself is talking uh, about uh, how much you know his his own level of attention. I, for lack of a better phrase, to uh, to the work that he always should have been putting in. Right, like he seems more committed to uh, to uh, just being maximizing himself as a player this off season. He's talked about that a fair amount. The coaching staff seems really happy with him. There's there's nobody else to throw to other than the. 45 tight ends they added, none of whom are presumably going to be any good, right? Like it's going to mm-hmm. be Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Uh, but again, they're they're tied to Mitch Trubisky and there's not going to be there's not going to be very many weeks when Mitch Trubisky is able to support two really exciting fantasy wide receivers. So bit of a bummer on the Detroit side. Uh, the backfield is kind of the story. Um, DeAndre Swift has come back to practice. He's been a limited participant. He is, when fully operational, in my opinion, much better than Kerryon Johnson. Um, who knows how much Adrian Peterson we see this week? So that's kind of a mess. We're not going to see much Adrian Peterson. Um, I think Kerryon is the play, but the defense. My gosh, if Chicago's doing anything right, like they they are bound to rebound from last year's regression. So yeah. I, I don't want a piece of this backfield. There is a note that Kenny Galladay did have a slight injury. I believe he was re- getting an MRI. So keep um, an eye on that because obviously that would be, a. I mean, then also then Detroit's running it back. Like here we are again. It's like, <laughs> yep, there's right. no progress in the NFC North. All four of these, Minnesota is going to win the damn division. Let's move on. Talk about, talk about <laughs> running it back. Let's talk about the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah, there's not obviously on the Jets side. There's not really a whole lot to get interested in unless you're a true believer in Le'Veon Bell and the the best shape of his life stories and whatnot. I'm not. Um, I'm not expecting very much on the Jets side. Super excited, though, to see what the backfield mix looks like in Buffalo. Um, I drafted a lot of Zach Moss. These two, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, seem like wonderfully complimentary players. The role that we think Zach Moss can fall into um, is the better role for fantasy purposes, right? It, it would be goal line carries because that was what Frank Gore did last year, and it would be more of a volume receiving role. Um, Singletary, not a particularly impressive receiver last year, seems like a between the 20s runner. He was great. Um, he was super efficient last year. There's a lot to like about Devin Singletary. He's had some ball security issues. Um I don't know that they're ever going to trust him at the goal line. So it's some combination of Zach Moss and Josh Allen at the goal line. It's a it's a great spot for both players. So I'm really I'm interested in seeing what Zach Moss does. Like I'm making it sound like I care about Devin Singletary. I, I have almost no Devin Singletary and I have a lot of Zach Moss. So I really care about what Zach Moss is doing. I do think we have to talk about Stefan Diggs a little bit here. I mean, how obviously the value in Josh Allen from a fantasy perspective is in his legs, right? Over 500 rushing yards, only one of three quarterbacks last year to do that. But you add Stefan Diggs and you added John Brown. So you had the best ball tracker, arguably, in the league. And then you add one of the best route runners in the league. And it feels like the front office is doing everything they can to pull his passing ability into into value, into positivity, into being above average, into accuracy. Um, I I have a little feeling, like Stefan Diggs was excited to get out of Minnesota. We know that he's not 
a quiet guy necessarily. <laughs> I can't, I think that if anything, he has been a preseason or a lack of a preseason has saved Stefan Diggs from punching his locker a couple of times because he does not know just how inaccurate Josh Allen is. And that man gets frustrated fast. Like I might have yeah. a temper and not a lot of patience, but he puts me to shame. And I just have a feeling there's, I, I want to see what happens. I want to see how many looks he gets and if he's satisfied with those, or if we're going to have a, another situation brewing because he doesn't feel like he's getting the high value targets that he deserves. There is a certain sort of Josh Allen truther who will tell you that, well, the the reason he wasn't a better passer in the frickin' Mountain West is that he didn't have the receivers. And um, he you got him now. So, yeah, that's the thing. Certainly it was true in his in his rookie season in Buffalo. Less true last year with with John Brown, Cole Beasley. Like these are pros and John Brown's a good player. Boy, um, if you can't if you can't make a go of it, if you can't be like a, if you can't complete, I don't know, 62, 63 percent of your throws when Stefan Diggs and John Brown are your primary receivers, um, like it's never going to happen for you as a passer. And I, I don't know what the next excuse will be. I, I, like I, I would actually find Josh Allen um, somewhat easier to root for if he were the quarterback of my team. I've, I've just never been a believer in him as an NFL level passer. Um Obviously, most of his most of his fantasy upside is is tied to his legs. He's was it 17 touchdowns over his first couple seasons. So but the open question with him remains, what what can he do for you when he's not running for touchdowns? Like if he has a game where it's just 45 rushing yards and no score, um, he's never he's never even thrown for 270 yards in the NFL. So he's got to clear that hurdle. Absolutely. We wanted to say thanks again to Planters, our sponsor for this episode. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, Andy, how are you feeling? Do you need a salty snack to get you through the late games, the Sunday night late games and the Monday night games. Uh, if I had a salty snack candy, I would definitely reach for it right now. But I'm but I'm good. I'm excited to have the NFL back. I can talk these games. Well, two salty old dudes are playing each other in maybe the most anticipated <laughs> matchup on Sunday. It's Tampa Bay and Drew Brees' New Orleans Saints. I mean, this there's a million storylines, but I will I'm going to force you to do it. One big thing. Um, this is this is, I think, not a big thing outside of fantasy circles, but I'm 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 excited for Emmanuel Sanders in New Orleans. I think this was a I think this was a great get. Um, there's not a lot is new in New Orleans. So maybe we're bored uh, w with the Saints who just haven't been able to close the deal the last couple of years, despite having really good teams. They you know, they, they make just a couple of small additions. And, and one of them is this absolute technician of a receiver who's who seems like he should just fit flawlessly with the most accurate passer in NFL history, right? Like this is just a great pairing of player and, and player. Um, and, and I'm excited for it. So I, I don't know what that's going to mean in this one, but this should be a shootout of a game. Um, I'm expecting Emmanuel Sanders to have a whole bunch of weeks where he sees between eight and 11 targets. And when those are Drew Brees targets, those are, those are invariably big weeks. So I'm, I'm pretty low key excited for Emmanuel Sanders. I don't even have a lot of them in fantasy. Um, I, I just thought it was such a smart signing. I'm kind of like, is it bad to say that even though 
even though the Bucks haven't played a game with Brady as their quarterback, I'm just I'm I'm just kind of over it. Like I'm, I'm over I'm I'm over the whole Brady Bucks thing. Like we've been talking about it for so long. I, I just I just want to see what it looks like. Cool. Let's go. I feel exactly the same way. I'm going to save at the end. We're going to do a bold prediction a piece, and mine is about Tampa Bay. So I will save that, and we'll move on to Arizona at San Francisco. Manu Hopkins. Sign, making his own deal, agentless deal, quietly. I dug that a lot. Yeah. Um, he is set up now to spend the rest of his career in Arizona as Kyler Murray's number one receiver. I want to take a look at that rapport from jump. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, as I as I was saying with Emmanuel Sanders, this is obviously a, a much more high profile case of a team making, you know, especially in this offseason, obviously you want continuity year to year. Arizona basically has that, except they added one of the NFL's very best receivers of the of like the last five mm-hmm. years, right? Like it's, it is a big notable addition. Um, obviously he's a great player used a little bit strangely last year in Houston. We'll see if that changes. Um, obviously an exciting player against um, perhaps the league's best defense. So it's not, necessarily a blow-up spot for anyone with uh with arizona um because san francisco is obviously you know unless there's some sort of super bowl hangover coming um it's just a loaded defense so maybe not you know maybe not a monster game from deandre hopkins but i'm excited to see what the target totals looks like um and where on the field he is targeted and then the other thing here on the on the niner side is is the backfield mix i'm i'm Hmm. fairly sure it's going to be uh, heavy dose of Raheem Mostert in this one. It's the big open question is how much Jarek McKinnon do we get? Versus Tevin Coleman. Yeah, I like, listen, I, I think Coleman will, I mean, this is just me guessing based on what the the most important games of the Niners season looked like, but I would think we're going to get a lot of Raheem Mostert and a rotational dose of Tevin Coleman. Um, it, it is, it is really, it's the addition of McKinnon to this, who, who could be a pretty exciting third down presence. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they just use them all in a straight rotation. That would be a bummer because I think Mostert is a little bit better than the other two. Um, I, I'm thinking Mostert is going to be a 60, 65% of the snaps guy. Um, I hope that's the case, but there is re- like, even in a, even in a supporting role, there's, there's real upside for McKinnon if they actually throw to him. I'm interested in the receiving core because the injuries have started to pile up here. Debo Samuel dealing with a foot injury. We're not sure if he's going to play in week one, but even if even if he does, you have to imagine he's going to be a little bit hobbled. It is a foot injury after all. And Brandon Ayuk, who is this rookie with some great yak appeal, um, he's a little bit banged up. So assuming both of them are sidelined, and even if one of them plays, you got a, a hurt rookie and a dude with a bad foot, I think this is an opportunity for Kendrick Bourne, who was used heavily in the red zone, yeah. uh, over six feet tall perimeter receiver. He's only $12 in Yahoo DFS. So again, if you're looking to throw a little dart or you're in a deeper league and you need a sneaky flex, I think Kendrick Bourne this particular week could surprise. And obviously we have uh, arguably the league's best tight end going up against the <laughs> the most incredible yeah. tight end matchup there was last year, right? Like there was not a there's not a better positional matchup than tight ends against uh, against Arizona. So it should obviously be a blow up week for Kittle. My new favorite team, the Los Angeles Chargers, are traveling to Cincinnati. I am in love with the Chargers. I lost my Rams hat. Maybe that was the universe telling me that I needed to switch teams in Los Angeles. 
I just ordered a Chargers cap. They changed their logo. So perfect timing. Um, They're facing the Bengals. Really bad defense. And I know that you're wildly excited for Joe Burrow and the way this offense has been remade. But I think that like Austin Eckler is going to smash this week. I haven't projected for more total yards than either Saquon Barkley um, or who else did I have? Someone else below uh, Alvin Kamara. I think that Austin Eckler is going to do some real work this week. I think Tyrod Taylor is a great underlooked sleeper. You, even if Mike Williams doesn't make his way onto the field, you still have Keenan Allen leading him into production. You still have Hunter Henry who can do things in the red zone. And so this defense is a pushover. I think the Chargers start on a high note, which, by the way, the universe owes them at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. You're you're right that I'm incredibly excited to see what what this whole Joe Burrow experience looks like uh, at the controls of an offense that isn't going to be that bad against arguably a pretty frisky defense. But um, you are also right that there are so many like low key important questions on the Chargers side. Like we haven't seen. You know, Tyrod Taylor had his moments uh, in Buffalo as a as a fantasy quarterback in isolated situations. We've we've certainly never seen him support multiple um, absolute must start fantasy receivers. Um, and, and they've but there's a lot of talent, uh, obviously, on the Chargers roster. We've also never seen him as a sort of high volume check down throw, like, you know, connect with the running back again and again and again. That's obviously key to Eckler's value. It's not the only key to Eckler's value. Eckler is a really good player um, who is probably going to rack up a lot of yardage in this one. Um, it, it would be nice to see Tyrod take some of those throws that Philip Rivers always does, just like the cheap and easy stuff to the running back. Um, we haven't seen a ton of that over the years, so that'll be big. Um, yeah, the, and the other big unanswered question for the Chargers is what the the distribution of snaps is going to look like behind Eckler. Because that's actually a lot of touches um, that Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are fighting for, and if if one of the, if all that work goes to one of those guys, that guy's going to be a flex more often than not. We've made it to Sunday night. We got the Cowboys <laughs> at the Rams. This is Vegas thinks this is going to be a high scoring game, which I do find curious because the last time Dak saw the Rams, I believe he he only uh, threw twenty or twenty five attempts and had fifteen completions. So. Um, Kellen Moore being retained as the OC is certainly a commitment to the past. We know that he's got CeeDee Lamb. You've spent the offseason talking up Blake Jarwin, um, you know, uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are also there. The Rams defense is no longer Wade Phillips's, but you still have Aaron Donald. I mean, there's you just, they just paid Jalen Ramsey a whole bucket, a load of money, a Brinks truck. If there's a callback yeah. of money, um, <laughs> I, you know, there's a, I, I guess to me, from a fantasy perspective, from the Rand point of view, I want to look at that backfield's distribution of touches. Cam Akers is the hot player. Singletary uh, was hot last year and then kind of fell out of favor. He's also, I believe, been dealing with a soft tissue issue. The team inexplicably loves Malcolm Brown. They love him. I don't care if y'all don't love him. Uh, the <laughs> less need loves Malcolm Brown. It would not surprise me if he didn't have a Malcolm Brown tattoo on his arm somewhere or somewhere on his body. <laughs> Loves him. So I think that, you know, I think the Cam Akers hypers are going to be a little disappointed in terms of number of snaps that Akers sees, but they might be rewarded because if anyone, any running back on this roster could break off a wildly creative, um, you know, 40 yard run, it is Akers because Malcolm Brown ain't doing that. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Brown is definitely not doing that. But they, you know, we saw it last year. They kind of like Malcolm Brown around the goal line. So um, yeah. he is he is just going to exist to to really frustrate the people who invested in uh, in Cam Akers this season. That seems like that's probably going to happen. We think Henderson's going to play. That backfield is obviously the the biggest fantasy story here. I I want to say that the last time the Cowboys faced the Rams, that I mean, the reason that Dak didn't have to throw is that is that Zeke and then later Tony Pollard just ran all over the Rams. It wasn't a it wasn't even a particularly competitive game. Um, da- Dallas put up 40 something on them and Dak didn't have yeah. to do a whole heck of a lot of work. Right. So um, I don't think we'll see that again. Um, I, I am, I am interested to see if we get any, I don't like, I, I wound up with Jared Goff. But in why a lot not, of places. Andy? Why wouldn't we see that again? I mean, we may, the, the Dallas offense looks great. I don't, I don't have any reason to, to not think that Dallas can average, I don't know, 33, 34 points per game this year. Like the Dallas offense looks great. Um, CD lamb was a wonderful addition. I, I just, I would like to think that Los Angeles can make it a competitive game and Dallas's defense doesn't seem all that fearsome. They've got some injuries. I would like to think that Los Angeles can, can, uh, I don't know, get to 20 points in the first half. Like, I think this can be a high scoring game and I think Los Angeles can score with them for a while. Um, I got a lot of Jared Goff, mostly because he was that like reasonable, plausible upside quarterback who fell really late. Nobody wanted to touch him. Um, if you waited at quarterback, he was always there at the end. Um, and he's, you know, he's given us 4,600 yards in each of the last two seasons. So that's not bad. If the touchdowns are there, great. Um, we got to we got to see who he'll throw to outside of outside of the big three of Higby and and Woods and Cup. And just remember, the Cowboys no longer have Byron Jones, the their their star <laughs> cornerback. They also yeah. the Rams also no longer have Brandon Cooks. So there's that. Um, I I do think Robert Woods is an interesting value because of the absence of Byron Jones, and I I think he's he's very reasonably priced in. He's in, sixteen uh, bucks in our, in, our in our daily game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Monday night, you've got the Steelers and the Giants, uh, Big Ben returning from injury and Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones just taking over my boyfriend's spot. I don't even care about the Giants anymore. If there's no Eli, why am I tuning in? <laughs> why even bother? Indeed. Um, the, I, I was talking about this with, uh, with Pat Darty a couple of weeks ago, like jo- Joe judge just has such a high school coach vibe to me. <laughs> um, I don't think I could tolerate, like, I don't know. I couldn't live with that every day for months at a time. I just couldn't. I just don't think I could deal. Um, I, I would personally not respond well to that. Of course, I'm not a wide receiver <laughs> or running back, so it doesn't really matter. Um, it just seems like such a strange coaching staff. He seems like such an oddball to me. And then Jason Garrett back on the, uh, like, not on a Dallas sideline is weird to me. Everything, a lot about the Giants is weird. Tough matchup for them overall. Pittsburgh, obviously, yeah. a, a, a very good defense last year. Um, so this is a... This is a tough opening spot for Saquon Barkley. Obviously, you're starting Saquon anywhere. You invested the number two or three overall pick in your in your draft in him. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna sit him or anything like that. But we're gonna. I mean, I feel like we maybe we learned something about Daniel Jones here because Daniel Jones, when he had a good matchup last year, like when he had those like Washington, I think they had a Miami matchup. Like when he got a good matchup, he blew up. It was four touchdowns and maybe he ran one in, and it was like all of his huge boom weeks were when they should have happened against friendly matchups. And this is not 
not one of those. Like, this is a tough matchup. This is where you would have expected last year's version of Daniel Jones to give the ball away two, three times, mm. um, not make very much noise, and not really contribute uh, any particularly good days from that receiving core. But, like, all the receivers except Golden Tate seem healthy right now, so that's so that's exciting. Tate... Um, I don't like I don't have a good vibe on on him as of this moment, whether he's going to play. Hopefully you, you drafted your way in a position where you're not totally dependent on Golden Tate in week one. I think most of us did. So but other than that, they're like they're all healthy. Ingram's healthy. Shepard's healthy. Like they're all good to go. Really tough matchup. So I, I am I'm pretty anxious to see what what Daniel Jones can deliver here. I'm also from Pittsburgh side of things interested to see who Ben is clicking with. We know he has rapport yeah. with Juju. To me, it's the wide receiver, too. Deontay Johnson has been the early sleep. You know, the he's not even a sleeper anymore because coming out of last season, he broke out. I think that we are undervaluing James Washington a little bit here. You know, there have been reports at a training camp that James Washington has impressed Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he's a his ability to be the deep threat, especially against a secondary like the Giants. It would not surprise me if, you know, James Washington caught four balls, three to four balls for like 80 yards and a score in this one. And Deontay Johnson was held out of the end zone. And all of the truthers are, <laughs> you know, posting gifts, um, like Simpsons gifts all over Twitter. Like that well, would I, not I surprise I love that me. because it would it would mean that Ben has taken deep shots. And I guess that is the other big open question is exactly what does his arm look like? Because the last time he played a full season, he averaged 320 passing yards per game, right? It was incredible a couple of years ago. He was fantastic. Um, and a big part of that was his willingness to to go deep and the success they had doing it. I, you know, it was a different, slightly different um, Pittsburgh receiving core, obviously, with Antonio Brown uh, still having a good year, but um, it, it's still a good group of receivers. And again, if if his arm is 95 percent of what it was, um, this is a really fun team for fantasy. Last thing is, I think that and I fell into this trap last year, so this is on me as well. Eric 2020 Eric Ebron is 2019 Dante Moncrief. I won't do it. <laughs> It seems like we can probably leave it there. He's man. There's been a lot of buzz about Eric Ebron, and he has given us one obviously really really good productive season with Andrew Luck. Um, this is a different environment. The beat writers are sure trying to make him a thing. Surely, uh, Tennessee at Denver. I like to call this the Jarrell Casey revenge game. <laughs> that's I mean, yeah. That's, that's it. That's, that's probably the way the Monday night announcers are gonna are gonna spin it to us. Sure. There is a little bit of news. Cortland Sutton, obviously the star receiver for the Broncos, has a sprained AC joint. He hurt himself in practice on Thursday. And KJ Hamler, the rookie that a lot of people were excited about, is also injured. So now when we went into this season talking about the plethora of options that Drew Locke has at his disposal and also how confusing the distribution of targets may be, at least in week one, it seems like things have been narrowed a bit. You know, the fan truthers, hey, you're Iowa Hawkeye actually, are excited for that. But also Jerry Judy has a real opportunity to make an immediate impact as one of the most polished route runners out of this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, first of all, what a what a week for Broncos fans, right? Like what a between the Von Miller news and and Cortland Sutton going down on Thursday, just like what a what a back to back for them. Um that said, I think Jerry Judy can be great. Um and I think of all the um 
I think of all the the sort of uh, propaganda that we've heard about young players, you know, no no preseason this year. Again, we've had to we've had to really hone in on quotes that that beat reporters are giving us. I, I think the most like eye popping thing that I that I heard uh, all off season was Kareem Jackson saying that he's never seen a receiver get in and out of his breaks like Jerry Judy. Right, like that that's a that's a player. Um, and they, I assume he, he doesn't throw around uh, compliments like that lightly. Um, and, and it matches up with everything that we saw from Judy as a collegiate player. I, I feel like in some ways he's, he's like the, he's the rookie that we should have been talking about all along that we haven't been like um, people have been very focused in on CD lamb. We've, we've made Brian Edwards a, a thing. Um, Jalen Rager gets a lot of gets a lot of push and like Jerry Judy could lead this receiving class in in uh, both receptions and yards like maybe by a lot like Jerry Judy's really good and certainly any any injury to uh, to Cortland Sutton is going to play well for him like he's going to he's going to play every snap right away and he's an absolute technician um, you know uh, plays well beyond his years so I'm I'm very excited about Judy I, I wish I, I wish I had him in more rosters. Yeah, I, I don't really have much exposure to him at either. So that'll be interesting to shake out from the Tennessee side of things. I was on, I did a Nashville radio hit earlier this morning and they were like, so what's exciting in Nashville I mean, it, it, with the Titans? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, you guys like building on what you did last year. Are you, re- are you going to make me talk about Corey Davis? Maybe this is the year. Like, I, <laughs> it's Derrick Henry. It's all Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole reason that we that we liked uh, the Tennessee offense for fantasy last year is just three guys like Ryan Tannehill was making noise and A.J. Brown was making noise and Derrick Henry scored all the touchdowns. Um, what what Tannehill did last year, uh, and Matt Harmon just wrote about it this week, and uh, it really became a, a, a constant discussion topic, I think, on Fantasy Football Live toward the end of last year. Like Ryan Tannehill was the off play action last year was the best quarterback who ever lived. Nobody has ever played quarterback as well as Ryan Tannehill off play action in 2019. It's it's probably not sustainable. But then you can talk yourself into this thing where, I mean, obviously defenses uh, are, are solely focused on Derrick Henry, um, and that's not going to change this year. That guy's a monster. Um, so that, I mean, that was the key to the, to, to every good thing that Tennessee did in the passing game last year was, was really keying off Derrick Henry and play action. Um, obviously defenses are going to have to adjust to the fact that AJ Brown is really damn good. We'll, we'll see how much, we'll see if his targets really go up this year. They don't, they don't need to necessarily for him to have a good season because he's, he's that talented and the offense was that effective. Uh, but man, if that guy gets 40 more targets, any any regression that you were worried about is is just kind of out the window. It's nil, yeah. All right, let's looking ahead to Sunday. Let's make some nutty predictions. Thanks to Planters, Andy. What is your nuttiest prediction for Sunday's games? Yeah, this is going to be James Robinson. Um, this is going to be ah, Jaguars okay. rookie running back James Robinson. Uh, you mentioned him as a as an Illinois State product. He was. Man, th- this is a kid that I remember because he set every Illinois high school rushing record there is. I think he has the rushing record. He might have the touchdown record. He was just a dominant high school player here. Really wanted him to go to Iowa. Iowa offered him. Somehow he lands at Illinois State, um, where he was great, obviously. Uh, he dominated at FCS. Um, and now he's fallen into a situation where after the trade of Fournette, uh, Divine Zigbo hits IR. It, it, like, it's going to be him and Chris Thompson, and that's it. So there's a there's a path for James Robinson to get, I don't know, 15, 20 touches in week one. He's going to 
he's going to outscore whatever Leonard Fournette does uh, for Tampa Bay. And, and I think James Robinson is probably going to finish as a top 20 running back this week. That is the nutty prediction. James Robinson, undrafted free agent rookie out of Illinois State, normal Illinois, I believe, or Carbondale, which one? <laughs> yeah. Carbondale, no, SIU. Bloomington Normal. Yeah. Bloomington Normal. That's right. Is going to outproduce. Andy's favorite running back of all time, LSU product, <laughs> Leonard Fournette in week one. That's a hot take. I dig it. It's nutty indeed. Um, mine is, I believe that Rob Gronkowski will outscore the rest of the Tampa Bay pass catchers. And here oh. is why. Tom Brady, What? what's the, I mean, this is not new news, but what is the way to get after Tom Brady? What's the way to make him skittish? You try to rush him, right? He's not a mobile guy. He's a 43-year-old guy who really doesn't want to get hit. That's how he plays quite frequently. The The line in Tampa Bay, fairly unproven. Sure, it's new, but there hasn't been a huge offseason, and I don't know if they've gelled yet. Their opponent, the New Orleans Saints. What do the New Orleans Saints have? One hell of a pass rush. I think they're going to get after Tom Brady. You've got Mike Evans, who is your prototypical red zone threat with a giant catch radius. He's a little bit banged up. Also, doesn't have the rapport with Brady that Rob Gronkowski does. Will Rob Gronkowski stay together and stay durable for the bulk of the season? Probably not, but it's week one. And I'm not worried about it right now. I think that Tom is going to feel the pressure. He's going to pass to Gronk in the end zone. Gronk's going to spike twice. And that is how we open week one of the 2020 season. There's nothing more 2020 Ooh. than that prediction, by the way. Man, and then, like, I think you're throwing Gronk on the trade block right away. Oh, heck yeah. The rest of their <laughs> schedule is bad. I mean, it is rough. Yeah. It is not a great schedule. But if you can get all of the lemmings to believe that Gronk is back and this is what's happening... Go ahead and move him. It is a little concerning, I should add, that Mike Mike Evans is dealing with a little bit of a soft tissue situation as well. So he's already a little bit hampered. And I'm not sure that the rapport is fully ingrained yet, as it shouldn't be because of the, you know, offseason. Even though Tom's been having his, you know, special Camp Tampa Brady event. He's fully hydrated. He's taken all those whatever, whatever the TB12 supplements are. I don't really know that lifestyle very well. <laughs> don't either but those were some pretty nutty predictions what can you say we are a bit nuts thanks again to planters and we remind you at home or wherever you are stay satisfied with planters all right what are you working on anything between now and sunday or will you be able to watch some football and relax and prep for week one of ffl Oh, hell yeah, I'll be watching football. Um, and I, I, like you, will be locked in a rehearsal all day tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, getting ready for another season of FFL. I'm excited about it. Yeah, that is what we both have on tap next. Be sure to tune in to Fantasy Football Live 90 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. We will be with you throughout the fantasy season for 16 straight weeks, God willing. Uh, this year is very <laughs> exciting that we do have a virtual set, which is why we're going to be locked into an hours-long rehearsal. Um, everybody is recording from home, but we've changed the set. We've changed the format. We've added new segments. I think you're really going to like it. I know I'm excited. I'm pretty sure Andy is too. And at least he's going to say so right here. So you can follow <laughs> me Oh, it looks on awesome, actually. It's going to be really fun. Tomorrow's going to be fun. It Sunday's going to be a blast. Yeah. I think Sunday is going to be really fun. I'm going to miss not being in the studio with everybody, but I, it'll be fun to like chat football and, and kick it back. So I want everyone to make sure you've downloaded the Yahoo Fantasy app and 
check that out. Um, also, we've got podcasts. Lord, do we have podcasts at Yahoo Sports? You should check out the <laughs> Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Den Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and Pat Forty. Our podcast is five days a week. Me and Andy every Friday is the best one. That's the one you need to listen to. We're going to prep you for the weekend. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Andy Barons. One more thanks to Planters. Week one, it is here. Matt Harmon and I will recap it all for you first thing on Monday morning. And for right now, whew, we're out.